0: Welcome to the Becoming Eva podcast, where we discuss real-life issues from a woman's perspective. Becoming Eva
1: seeks to break the silence within the female community while fostering authenticity, transparency, and healing. We're your hosts, LaToya Moore and Maya Dawson.
0: Let's get started. Good morning. Good morning. Becoming Eva fans, welcome to episode number four we are talking about single black females today i'm so excited about this controversial topic and i and we have two special guests with us today we have hope and kayla that are joining us for this awesome episode so welcome to our show thank you thank you so how are you ladies doing I'm well, doing
2: good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm doing good. I
3: was laughing because I was trying to make up for my lack of exercise this week. And this morning I was like, of all days. <laughs> but I'm excited to be here with coming, Eva.
1: Yay. We're excited to have you both. So before we get into um, your formal introductions and in today's topic, I always like to ask, especially in this. Definite, definite season of quarantining that we're in. How's your quarantining going? How's your quarantine like these days? Um, share with us a little bit about your experience with 2020 thus far and um, who you may be quarantining with. Who wants to go first?
2: I'll go. OK. Um, I'm quarantining with my mom, my older brother, and his wife. Oh. Kind of my younger brother. He's like our half person so four <laughs> <enough> people. Um, <laughs> And honestly, our quarantine is over. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I know I quarantined for a solid 10 weeks, like from March to June. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm back working. My mom's back working. And my brother never stopped working. Mm-hmm. We're all just kind of back in it. And um, I mean, obviously still being cautious, but yeah. it feels pretty normal almost. Okay. so.
1: Good, good though. That's, I'm, I'm glad that everybody's doing well, everybody's safe and healthy.
3: Yeah. What about you Hope? Well, I stay less than a mile from my parents. So I consider that we are quarantining. Um, I live by myself, my little bungalow. And I um, actually relocated from Atlanta to a little town in North Florida so that I can help manage the care of my parents. And our lives look very much like they did in March. Like I'm not playing, I'm not playing with the devil. Even though my parents are starting to sneak away like last Saturday, I thought like, where are they? Maybe they're just driving around. I later on Sunday find out because one of the older members of the church, like if this came to your daddy, he left it at the Hamiltons yesterday. (laughs) You went to the Hamiltons. So you're going to house parties and I'm all by myself, you know, so um, I'm quarantining, but hopefully, they're like catching up. They're living their best life. I love it. They're living their best life, but they did wear their mask and I understood they stayed in their truck as the people came and went and they got to say hello. So I know this time gets really, really, really isolating. So that gave me more permission. So I went to the beach and found the space by myself at a gazebo and sort of exercise with her playing in my ear. And I was like, okay, you know, we all need to find these these opportunities to get out of the house.
1: Yeah, for okay. sure. Very good. For sure. All right, well, shall we do our formal
0: introductions, Toya? Yes, I have the pleasure of introducing Miss Kayla White. Me and Kayla, we go way back to when I was coaching her in high school. I was her volleyball coach, and she was my student. And we just stayed connected through book club and social media. So Kayla is a 23 year old young, beautiful black woman. She loves traveling. She loves Oreos, doing her nails, listening to music and exercising.
2: Yay, Kayla!
1: Thank you. <laughs> excited to have you. And I just have to give you a shout out too because you are a faithful member of our book club that we did this summer. So, Aww. becoming Eva, you're very near and dear to our hearts. So, Aww. thank you so much. I love for that. Yay! And I have the privilege of introducing one of my great friends, uh, Ms. Hope Demps, Who, gosh. Our journey has evolved tremendously over the past, gosh, 20 years. Wow, 20 years. (laughs) It's been a minute. and We probably got a story for three years old. (laughs) There you go. There you go. But yes, we are both Spelman alum. So that is where our connection began. uh, And then also served in campus ministry together. Uh, also served at the same local church together and just you know we were in a recording group together so we've traveled the world together and it's just been a privilege and an honor getting to know her and having her in my life she was um, my maid of honor when we got married so she's definitely been there through different milestones you know personally professionally educationally and I just can't thank her enough for being in my life so I will be her formal introduction because she is definitely a a dynamic woman of many talents. So Hope Demps is an attorney, a minister, a producer, and a professor uh, that was born and raised in a small Florida town called Taylor in Taylor County, Florida. Uh, it's called Perry, Florida. And after practicing law for almost 20 years, her experiences and skills in counseling, advocacy, and litigation ensure the marginalized be heard and that victims' lives are protected. Hope is active in her community and ministry as an executive board member for the North Central Florida Boys and Girls Club of America and an ordained minister. She's also an adjunct professor at Emory University School of Law in the Center of Transactional Law and Practice. And last but certainly not least, Hope (laughs) is the producer (laughs) and host of a talk show called Hope More, and it's broadcasted live on Hope More's Facebook page and Hope More YouTube channel, where the aim is to lift family, seek justice, and share light. So give it up for Miss Hope Demps.
3: I didn't realize how much I had sent y'all, so I was like, please don't read the whole thing,
1: but thank you so much. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We're so grateful to have both of you. So without further ado, let's get into it. This is a hot topic. Um, and actually, we were supposed to talk about this last season, but um, and we talked a little bit about it. We didn't hone in specifically on the single black female. So we specifically called Uh, today's episode single black female because we wanted to hone in on that because there are just some very different and unique dynamics when it comes to dating as a black woman so we appreciate you guys for joining us and you know stepping out into the deep waters and you know having those uh interesting and somewhat controversial conversations with us today so we'll, we'll start light. We're going to start in the shallow end and kind of graduate on out to the deep waters. So let's start with when did you both first start dating and whomever wants to start first, you can, but let us know how, like, when were you allowed to date? Cause every household is different.
3: Okay. I'll pop on age before beauty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um I, I was told all of my life growing up that when you're 16 you can start dating because my mom was allowed to date at 16 um and even though I had little you know boyfriends whatever I don't know what I was thinking but um maybe my first little puppy love I was five um but I did not actually really date date like in a serious like relationship and like somebody um until college so i may have like you know i had a prom date um type of date or you know someone i like i go to the same football game they go to but i really didn't have um dating experiences until college
2: okay all right what about you kayla um i had my first boyfriend at 14 and um it's funny i don't know when i was allowed today and when I wasn't allowed there were no rules but then when it happened it was like you're dating like <laughs> I didn't know I couldn't there were no rest- I didn't know now it's too late and um so yeah I think that's, that's
1: key. Sure. yeah the importance of having those conversations uh, I was actually 14 when I had my first official boyfriend that my mm-hmm. parents knew about and everything and it wasn't like just a crush or reciprocated crush or what have you so I'm right there with you what about you Toya when did you first start dating or when were you allowed to start dating you could tell both
0: okay well I was never officially ever allowed to start dating ever <laughs> yep. my parents were like no you can date when you're grown and out of my house wow so, I technically started dating when I was 15. I dated a guy for a whole year before my parents found out that I was dating anyone. So that was a huge ordeal when uh, they found out (laughs) that I had a boyfriend for a whole year. And they were like, but why didn't you tell us? And I'm so disappointed and yada, yada, yada. And I was just like, well, you guys said I wasn't allowed to date. And I was kind of, you know, I was kind of scared of my parents because they were old school, like they'll be behind until you're grown and out the house. So <laughs> I was sneaking around. Uh, only my brother knew that I had a boyfriend. And he would, you know, slick, kind of tell it to them at the kitchen table. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, shut up, shut up, shut up. And so, <laughs> you know, they never found out until my mom showed up at school one day. Mm-hmm. And um she was wondering where I was and the counselor was like oh I'm sure she's eating lunch with her boyfriend like she does every day and, that, and my mom walked into the lunchroom and I was like oh busted!" <laughs> it was awful <laughs> I was so embarrassed <laughs> how old were you when you got busted 16 okay gotcha gotcha when I got
1: busted Wow. Wow. So let's talk a little bit about the, the dating journey, if you will, from when you first start dating to kind of when you um, you know, transition into your adult years. So um I'll start with, I'll actually start with Kayla. Let tell us a little bit. I know you said you, you know, started dating officially when you were like 14. So what did that journey consist of, you know, up until where you are now? Like, you know, did you have a high school sweetheart? Did you serial date? like were you like oh this is okay let me take a break like what has that journey like been like for you
2: yeah um I dated the boy I started dating when I was 14 we dated pretty much my whole high school time we broke up my senior year um and then I got to college and like I really didn't date anyone until I started dating the guy I'm dating now which I started dating him my sophomore year of college um so in between that in between time was like mm crushes or I don't know waste of time I don't know like just nothing nothing important nothing significant nothing productive and um then I was like you know what I'm not I just don't I don't like the insignificance of whatever the situation ships like I don't like that I'm not built for that that's not me I'm take a break so I took a break from boys for like three months and then I met the boy I'm dating (laughs) now and he wants me to shout him out. So if he hears this, uh oh. He's the best.
1: <laughs> Look, well, let me stop. I'm like, is he the best? Because you asked him to say he was the no, I'm just playing. I'm like, shout out, shout out. We got it. We give give your man some shine. We give him some shine. That's what's up. I love it. I love it. Um, that's yeah, so that's interesting that you had that that space and window there. And it's funny because again, I had that space and window there too. I had my first series boyfriend when I was like 14 uh, I think we did we break up when I was 15 somewhere around there and then after that you know I ended up going to a different school um had some crushes here or there um and really decided to dedicate my life to Christ like a couple Mm -hmm. years after that breakup and so um it really wasn't Necessarily a goal of mine. I had male friends, people I hung out with, and even crushes, but it wasn't any serious relationships or anything. And I actually carried that through college um, up until I, I mean, I decided if anybody's heard the book, I kissed dating goodbye. I read that book my freshman year and was like, I'm going to take my, you know, four years of undergrad and really dedicate it to learning more about me getting closer to God. And that's what I did, you know, so dating wasn't really an option for me again until I became a young adult, but I think by that time I went to an all girl school was, you know um sold out for Jesus as you want to call it and totally you know just involved in church and ministry so by that time I don't think I really knew how to healthily, healthily, is that a word in a healthy way interact with the opposite sex and so I just kind of was you know stagnant for a minute as far as my dating life was concerned so but what about you Hope tell us about your your journey for dating well- <laughs>
3: Well, I come from a very strict Pentecostal holiness background. Mm-hmm. I know it's hard to believe, but um, and so just the but what was really cool is that my mother was over many like youth programs throughout the, our small town and, and actually really regionally and even our organization, our church organization nationally, and she would have jam sessions. So she talked about sex very openly. Um, She talked about relationships openly. Um, So, you know, I remember, and I know this is not a, you're asking me about dating, but I just want to tell you that even though I was not allowed, quote unquote, to date, I, my parents were very open about sex and sexuality and the idea that it's normal for you to be attracted. So, you know, the guy who lived across the street was at my house all the time. You know my parents knew if I had a crush on somebody so I didn't really go through any need to speak. but also I mean unfortunately and fortunately in high school a number of dudes like you know I'm feeling you but you kind of go to marry not to date so very early on I felt like what is that <laughs> I don't want to be yes I am no I'm not you know <laughs> you know um So in college, when I went to Spelman College, um, there's some realizations that I had that I did not experience in high school. Both the idea that it was HBCU and our brother's school, Morehouse was HBCU. It was the first time i had been in an environment where there were a number of African-American guys my age who were very ambitious. In fact, when we did our brother sister matchup, Spelman freshman class, we had like 500 students. Morehouse had like 700 oh wow students so i had two more house brothers so for me my dating evolution came with being comfortable about who i am as a girl who i am as more than just a smart person but it was like feeling comfortable with who i am and being around men and and then particularly particularly the idea that oh i can be with this person on a romantic level so i mentioned that because to me, before I ever said yes to my first date, I had to be okay with being considered or deemed attractive and interested because I found a lot of joy and safety in being the smart girl and being the Christian girl. And so I didn't even realize until college that some of that was protection because as you know, as a full figure chick, as a dark skinned girl, particularly in the early nineties and eighties, like light skin was the only acceptable standard of beauty for for a long time. So I didn't realize that I had been protecting myself from rejection. So in college to have such, I mean, we were really blessed. I just say, I'm so glad I went to HBCU, College Bellman College, but I found a variety Mm -hmm. of young men my age who also were attracted to a variety of girls, including chocolate ones with hips, and I was like, oh, okay, so, okay, this is, okay. So I don't have to be settled on just the idea. You know, we can be cool. I can help you with your homework. Like, yeah, you would like to take me out to Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or in the case of college, um, I started gaining convictions as I was opening myself up to re- romantic relationships. I started gaining convictions about a lot of things including dating. So I'm just like, don't it. just when I get free, It's like, okay, God, what are you calling me to? So I had a particular young man who we didn't date, date, we dated. Then we both got the same conviction. They were like, okay, we're not gonna date. But then I wore his jacket and we did everything together. He had a key to my car. And Mm -hmm. later after law school (laughs) or while I was in law school, we both guess like we don't see being with anyone else but each other. So after law school and he was going to master's program at NYU. That is like, okay, we're going to officially start dating since we both have the conviction that you don't date unless you are intending to marry. Um, And I guess as we go on with our discussion today, we eventually end up, I guess, being pre-engaged, even though that sounds like the weakest description ever in life. Um, And we started connecting with our pastor about premarital things. He moved from New York. He came to my church and gobbled up friends, became a leader on the worship team. Um, but in that seven, eight months that we were seriously gearing towards marriage, some huge um, some huge gaps um, became apparent where we were really amazing friends. Um, but I really, from that experience, learned that two amazing Christians does not an amazing marriage make. And we end up breaking up, which was really, really hard because I felt like, God, God, wait a minute. We did everything the right way. In my mind, you know, we had even committed to not kissing it to our wedding date, but I thank God for that, that beginning of my dating venture that I had that experience. Cause since then I definitely have grown in other dating relationships that we'll talk about later probably, but I appreciate the fact that I'm still really close friends with him and he's married with a child and his wife loves me. I was able to go to the wedding because He was my first serious dating relationship and we did it the right way. There was no sex. I can't remember putting my tongue in his mouth. And because of that, we can be friends and his wife is not looking at me sideways because we (laughs) honored God in that relationship. So I'm really grateful, even though I resented it younger that God allowed me that type of entry. Later I messed up a lot, but you know, at the beginning
1: (laughs) I was doing really well. So you you have shared so many different nuggets or gems as we like to call it um in the becoming you know community and it's it's funny like hearing you talk like in in uh toya knows this, when we were going back and forth trying to figure out who who we were going to ask to speak on certain episodes i went back and forth with you because i was like oh, I want her to talk about colorism. And then I was like, no, I really want her to talk about singleness. (laughs) And so we were going back and forth and back and forth, you know, and even uh, last season, we had an episode about hair and I was like, oh, I want hope to talk about that. So, I mean, you just have a wealth of experience and I appreciate your vulnerability and just your willing to be, your willingness to be transparent about your experiences. And so I feel like we're going to weave into all of that today, which I'm so grateful for. But thank you for just being open and honest about that. And thank you for sharing, touching upon the importance of having standards in your um, dating relationship, because it not only is a protection for you personally from, yes, guarding your heart, but it also is a protection for that relationship, keeping that relationship intact regardless of how it may evolve in the future. Like you do not want to defile the person that you're with. And honestly, that's what you're doing. If you're engaging in any type of sexual activity outside of marriage, you do not want to defile the person that you're in relationship with, whether you have intentions of being married or not. Um, That's very, very important. So thank you for sharing that because that's a huge, huge win for you um, and testimony for you, regardless of how the relationship, you know, um, transpired. But the fact that you are all able to be friends um, and in close fellowship with one another, even now to this day is amazing. That's awesome. I do think it's amazing. My parents actually
3: was like, when, when, I, when he got married, his fiance called me to really reiterate that she wanted me there. My parents mm-hmm. thought it was disrespectful. It was crazy for me to go. But yeah. I was like, you know, one of the great thing is that I met him at 19. We didn't start seriously dating until I was out of law school. So we had years of friendship. I knew him before he was even thinking about walking, working at Wall Street or going to Yale for performing arts. And I don't know, that that relationship is a very special one. And I would say my relationship, it I'm glad that that was the standard because I knew that it was possible to really love someone and not be sexual. And, and even when I was frustrated, because I'm like, we probably wouldn't have broke up if I would have had sex. And that's a whole nother thing because I was so frustrated that what we thought would happen didn't. Mm -hmm. But I'm so grateful that God knew best.
0: Amen.
1: So as we mentioned earlier, we're definitely in a different season. 2020 has definitely been the year of all kinds of stuff, craziness. Uh, But I'll start with saying the year of Corona, uh, the year of COVID-19. And as a result, the dating scene has definitely had to change. You know, we've seen an influx of online dating relationships. We've seen um, just a lot of different other standards that have come in place as a result of quarantining and social distancing. And in some cases, people are just like, I ain't messing with nobody right now because I don't know what you got. You know, <laughs> I'm like, is COVID serious? more serious than HIV? Because people are messing with people. But anyway, it's a whole nother, whole nother conversation. But all that to say, dating looks a lot more different now than it did say six, seven, eight months ago. So um, let me ask both of you, I know Kayla, you're in a relationship right now, has uh, the dynamics of your relationship, or I should say how have the dynamics of your relationship changed um, in light of COVID, if at all?
2: Um, it has changed um, in the sense that we don't see each other as often. We don't live together. I don't know if that was made clear, but we don't live together. Um, So we're about an hour and a half away from one another. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's a lot more planning and it's a lot more like, who are you going to see? Who are you around? Because if you're around, you know, all these people or if I'm around all these people, like, there's no, let's just be safe. And Mm -hmm. there's no reason to like, potentially spread the virus even more than it already is. So a lot of caution, um, a lot of, I would say creativity too. So when he does come or when I do go down there, um, like we have to do just different things. Like we can't just go out to a restaurant and you know, all the things that were like very normal, very easy. Mm -hmm. Um, So now it's more like let's cook together or let's like have a picnic type thing or let's paint or let's um, just do stuff that's not the norm. I guess and but still being intentional and like i said a little bit more creative thinking outside of the box and stuff like that
1: that's good very good what about you hope how has the dating scene changed for you in light of covid well interesting enough right
3: before covid or before it's a masking on the soils of the United States. I was in another pre-engagement arrangement (laughs) where with another person, but this time we went through premarital classes. We already had a date in mind for a wedding and around about time of being officially engaged. Um, But on my birthday, which is Valentine's Day or that weekend, I decided this is not what I want for the rest of my life. So going into COVID-19 era, if you would, I was still like getting over like, oh my God. And if I'm honest, I was getting over the embarrassment of having now after officially Facebook posted in December, from uh, March, we like, <laughs> no, no, we're not together. No, 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 we're not getting married. Um, but it's nothing like a crisis to help your heartbreak heal much faster. Cause there's, in my opinion, what came out of COVID was like, what is the most important thing and what's real? And mm-hmm. what I realized, and it's, it's no dishonor to him, that I was more upset about looking like I was losing than the actual breakup mm-hmm. of the of the relationship.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so um, I think Holy Spirit heals, not time. And during COVID, dating was the last thing I was thinking about uh, until recently. Until recently, and what's hilarious is that when you asked me to be on this then i was like oh i gotta really try this online dating thing so i have something to share
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> so so <laughs> and also i was a part of this praying for your future spouse challenge that's done by the one university and and natasha miller who i believe are with all nations out of chicago this is my second year doing it it's five days praying for your future spouse last year when i did it i thought i knew who i was my future was and this is my first time doing without knowledge so it wasn't really because you asked me to be down here but their concept is get hold get a date get married and i was having a tantrum like oh the dating thing i just i'm just lord can we just can you just bring them like a baby stork like just drop them off just drop them and off and so i signed up for i don't care to tell you gospeldating.com you may see my profile on there <laughs> and I signed up for Talkify. Within five days, I got off both. But I'm going to try again some other things. But gospel dating, I did find, um, there were like two gentlemen that caught my interest in one. We had a, you know, we had a cool little six hour phone date. Um, he's from Detroit. So I was like, this is not going to work out. But let's like, like really talk because <laughs> I didn't say that. Well, maybe I did. But we, what I really thought was cool is that he was really saved. And I find that for those who don't have any other measurement like, oh, you met him at church or they're part of an organization, you know, somebody who knows him, that's the biggest challenge with online dating. But it was very obvious close to the beginning of our conversation that I was really saved and he was really saved. Mm -hmm. And although we have not made some love connection, I think our hearts were both hungry to talk about. What is it like being saved at a certain age, trying to be open to love? And, and he was a divorcee and a number of things. And so I found myself way more more open to just being honest. Not that I would lie, but um, when it comes to profiles and, and I live in a really small town now mm-hmm. where <laughs> there's not a lot of prospects um, in my opinion. Um, But I became more open, like since I've been here in Florida for two and a half years, I have got on dates with a white gentleman, which I had never done before. I had some interest in the past twice where I turned him down and one was really offended because it's like, you should say you don't want to be with a man of God. Don't say you don't date white. So Mm -hmm. I became more open and I really enjoyed myself and he was really saved. So We were prayerful about each other the first date, you know, we were putting it down like this is what we see our lives to be. And he was like, I really don't want to defraud you, and I'm the same. And you know, we're both of a particular age and he's still a cool friend. I'm telling you, dating Giley, you could still have friendships. You know, I think today if he found someone that he thought would be great for me, he would call me up. In fact, this cabinet behind me is a gift from him. Oh wow. White man is really bad. Anyway, um, <laughs> I was like, he moved it in. I mean, he actually still has a key to my house, which I don't know. He's, he actually was serious about marriage. So that was like a year and a half ago. He's married now. So, but we, we honored each other. There was no defrauding and I was blessed. Um, so online dating, dating people I had date before has been definitely something I'm open to. And during COVID, I would say, because I have been up to Atlanta a funeral and just some other things that COVID has kept consecration solid Mm -hmm. so during this cuddle season and that's why I was like Lord this is hilarious this is right before this show in the last two weeks I've gotten a lot of calls from exes who want to see how I'm doing and one you one Maya you really I mean this This person, I'm like, Lord, if you saved him, I would marry him tomorrow. (laughs) Okay, okay, y'all don't listen. He got a job offer in Georgia and has leased an apartment and just, we've been taught, yeah. But I'm helping him professionally, you know. But I'm saving, oh, I'm praying for salvation. So what I was laughing about is that Yes, I love the holiness of God, and yes, I have messed up sexually, and I've also walked it out in purity, but I know myself, and COVID is a great excuse for not reaching your purity, because I'm like, no, God, if I messed up with him, I'll get COVID and die, and <laughs> give it to my parents. <laughs> it just never seems that I can just sin and get away with it, My sin, and I, it ain't like pregnancy. Now, I'm like, oh, he's stalking me. My... You know, it's like, Lord, help me. So I, I like to think that my own convictions keeps me hold. But when I was in Atlanta, there was a person who um, was the last person I dated. He's a minister. The last person I dated when I was in Atlanta. And he called this week and, I, and, and he said something. He's like, you were in Atlanta and you didn't call me? And I was like, I'm being honest. I was there for a funeral. I was emotional. I mm-hmm. wasn't trying to, I, I don't play with my flesh. And I played with my flesh before. I know this is a really long answer. So COVID has brought on a level of consecration that keeps me. Amen. And, and when it comes to like opportunities, like online dating, it's made me much more blunt at the beginning Amen. of what, what I do don't want it before. I used to be like, maybe I'm not going to talk much about being a preacher or mm-hmm. whatever. And it's like, you know I am filled with the holy ghost how about what's your relationship with the holy ghost we're beyond do you believe in
1: god do you go to church yeah. you know that don't play with your flesh we won't come back to that but thank you <laughs> thank you Hope and you actually um helped us transition into the next question which is have you ever dated outside your race so i'm actually going to ask Toya
0: to um share first and then we'll we'll uh, see if Kayla has any any insight there well I grew up in a Pentecostal household just like you hope. Um, but yes, I have dated outside of my race. And I don't think, I don't think my husband, I don't think we've ever talked about it. And he normally listens to the show later, but I bet he's listening right now at this exact moment. <laughs> His ears are probably burning. But yes, I have dated outside of my race. So I kind of told you a little bit about my first boyfriend Uh, when I was a teenager. We ended up dating for about four years. So about a year into college. And then we broke up and I was like, I'm free. And you know, (laughs) growing up in a Pentecostal household and not like really having that freedom to date different people. It was just like a whole new world for me i casually dated different guys nothing sexual no titles i was just having fun like just going on different dates um definitely not like you know looking for my spouse or anything i was just literally just having fun like you know you could take me out tonight and i'll go out with someone so on friday night like it was just fun and anytime it turned into you know let's let's try to put a title on it, I would just run because I was like, I know you're not the one. And so <laughs> I could quickly break up with it, break up with them. But yes, during that phase of casually uh, dating different guys, I actually dated two different guys that were white. And it was it was very different, very, very different, mm-hmm. Um, I would say, because when we would go out in public, you have to be ready for the looks and the stares that you will get uh, when you show up at a restaurant with, you know, a white guy or you know anyone outside of your race. People will stare at you. You would hear. You will hear like different whispers. Wow. So it's 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 a little awkward for me. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, very similar to what your guy said you have to kind of be open to dating a man of God sometimes Mm -hmm. because it is slim picking out here for being honest for a black you know Christian man it's very slim picking so I would say you know definitely be open to dating outside your race uh, with the same standards in mind as a Christian man
1: can I ask you, Toya, were there any differences that you noticed within the relationship? Of course, as far as how people may have perceived you or, you know, you know, looks or stares or whispers, but like within the relationship, did you notice any um, major differences um, dating outside of your race?
0: I definitely felt more comfortable to wear my hair natural. You oh, see, wow. my yes. What is that about? White men like the, the natural look and... You know, my husband, he's fine with it now because he married me, so I can wear it any kind of way. But, um, <laughs> you know, Black men like that straight hair for some reason. they That's a preference to them, the whole straight hair thing. And so, I, you know, I go back and forth, but my husband really, really likes it when it's straight. But white men, they really like it when it's natural and braids and just like, you know, different. And I don't know if it's like an exotic thing that they you know ooh, I'm dating a black woman look at her you I don't know why they do but (laughs) they like your hair natural I did notice that um I felt more comfortable to just you know be however and they just kind of put you on a little pedestal almost
1: all right Kayla I see you nodding come on now what you got as far as dating experience or, or just thoughts on dating outside of your race
2: I've never did it outside of my race, not necessarily on purpose. It's just never happened. I would say that, like, I don't know. You just, I feel like it's a different, you have to approach it differently. Because because white men, especially in the South, and especially where I was growing up in Paulding County, like, a little bit more closed-minded and a little bit more, I don't know, maybe not comfortable enough to... Um, pursue um, someone outside of their race. So I never really experienced dating outside of my race. And it's not that I wasn't open to it. People just, I don't know. Anyway, um, I was nodding at what she was saying because I noticed like with the whole hair thing, I, like I said, didn't, I haven't dated outside of my race, but like I would get my hair done and white boys would be like, "Ooh!" and it's like when a white boy compliments your hair, you know, you've done something because like, <laughs> you're like y'all never compliment nothing else but here we are got a new hairstyle and you I don't know so I I was just nodding about that because I've experienced that a lot um but I don't think there's anything wrong with dating outside of your race I I like what you were saying about like dating godly um versus dating like because of the race and stuff and I think that's so important have you ever crushed outside of your race Kayla? yeah but I think it's been more physical less personality less compatibility wise like And I think that's probably why I haven't dated outside of my race because I feel like anybody that I have crushed on, I'm like, you're just nice to look at, but I really don't want to talk to you. I don't like what you're saying. We don't listen to the same music. I I was just, there was no compatibility there.
1: I'm with you, Kayla. I have definitely crushed outside of my race. um, And (laughs) I'm laughing because most recently, and I just saw him in an interview (laughs) But I remember there was an Avengers movie, and uh, when they did this shot of Captain America after he had that nice little beard in there, I literally had an audible moment where I was like, "Oh!" And my husband looked at me like, "Really? That's what we're doing?" Like, you know, I was like, "Oh, I wasn't, I wasn't ready." But I just saw him with his quarantine beard in an interview yesterday, and I was reminded. But in real life, in real life, I have crushed outside of my race too. I crushed on. Um, Well, actually when I was like 14, there was this guy and funny enough, he was Hawaiian. So, um, uh, and his name was Chris too. Chris Kaniakua, I will never forget that last name but I loved him and his family. And we had this whole like mutual crush relationship thing going on. But of course we were so young and it never really turned into anything but I would have dated him. If he would asked me out on an official date I would have been like, yes, when and where, let's go. and then in high school, well, that was,
2: was that in high school?
1: That was like, probably like middle school with Chris Akula. And then in high school, I was in a blues band um, with this guy who had a cute, cute little white boy who had this like, nice, I maybe I have a thing with goatees. I do because I love when my husband has one too, but um, had this nice little goatee and he was in the band. Um, we were in the band together. So there was definitely this connection. And it's funny because I've written a lot of songs pieces spoken word pieces what have you about people that I've had crushes on at different times in my life they just don't know it's about them and so we wrote a song and the song that I wrote was about him but um but yeah he was a cutie pie but to, to your point Kayla I like relationally personality wise did not feel there was any type of like connection so yeah but all that to say interesting ladies very very interesting so let's let's go a little bit deeper what are some challenges that you have experienced um just period as dating dating as a black woman you know um do you feel like it's been hard at times to have a dating relationship or easy or what have you but what perceptions how you may be perceived any of that but what are some challenges that you may have experienced as far as dating as a black woman And anyone can start.
0: I think for me, when I was in that whole dating season of of my life, um, once I started becoming serious about my walk with Christ and not just casually dating when I was actually dating, um, you know, for a spouse, I think the challenges for me was the stereotypes and being perceived as a strong black woman, independent, educated, financially stable. Um, I think that can be a little intimidating for men. And I had a friend tell me that I needed to like calm down with some of my <laughs> strong headedness of my personality and to like bring it down. like if you trying to if you're trying to uh, get a strong black man, Like a manly man then you have to calm some of that down because when i did date this guy he was a christian man you know we were waiting to have sex before you know we weren't having sex before marriage um we dated for four years and he was kind of like more of a yes yes man and you know i would get my way all the time and you know i could just ask for anything and once that relationship ended. I was just um, really wanting a manly man. And so my friend was like, you have to calm all of that down if you want that type of man. And so I had to do some reflection and really work on myself. And sometimes she tries to come out and i have to like put her on a leash. I'm like, that's not being submissive you know so i have to put her on the leash sometimes because sometimes she does try to come out um but yeah it's a balance well let me okay i i gotta i gotta dive in this for a minute because i i too
1: i'm very i come from a long line of strong independent black women and in most cases they were single parents so i had to like really retrain reteach myself um, and based on other relationships that I saw, how to engage with men um, and really allow them to lead in the relationships. But at the same time, my husband knows, like I, we did an exercise actually for our book club uh, where we had to like list qualities or characteristics about ourselves. And I had written all these, you know, nice little cute characteristics. And when I asked my husband,
2: the first thing that came out of his mouth was strong will. I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay. I thought about it for a second. You not have to be so eager. <laughs> I know, right? But I mean, I'll take it because he's not, he's not telling
1: the, he's not lying. Like I um, I am, I'm very strong willed. I have an opinion. I'm not afraid to voice my opinion, but, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's where I wanted to chime in, but I do believe there is a way and a time and a place in which to do it. And that dance you kind of have to learn um, if you seek to uh, not only be in a relationship, but be in a relationship with somebody that, that you want to actually take the lead where you're not running all over him or, you know, disrespecting him and you're giving him the um, authority to take the leadership in that relationship and you're willing to submit to him. So I want to clarify that because I'm not saying that women have to change who they are in order to be in a relationship, but you do have to um, be willing to exercise discipline in when, how, and the way in which you voice certain things you have to you have you have to figure that out and it's different in every relationship because every man is different every temperament is different but there is there is an art to that if you will so I just wanted to clarify that
0: and I have learned that art um, because your mouth will get you in trouble Mm -hmm. Um, you have to tame it and you have to know when and how to speak and voice your opinions without sounding too, like, I'm taking over, like, this is my decision, with like, not being a know-it-all. Like, nobody likes a miss know-it-all. Even though you may know the right answer, like, it's okay, let him make that decision. Sometimes he'll come back and say, well, you were right, you know. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and tone, tone is a big deal too. How you say it nobody wants to be a nag nobody wants to be a nag so very very good stuff toy very good stuff so all right um hope kayla any any challenges as far as dating as a black woman
2: you can go hope if you have anything
3: sure um you know having never been anything but i don't <laughs> um you know i i do and maya knows me sometimes i have these hopeisms that i've determine something to be, therefore it is. Um, so I, I try to be careful in these formats to try to declare something, I'm not being prophetic, I'm just opinionated. Um, I find, and just to just suppose my experience as an undergrad at Spelman College at HBCU that had across the street, as well as Clark Atlanta and Morris Brown at the time, a plethora of black men to at least understand this available Um, when I went to law school at University of Florida, going to your question about Black single females, I was like, I'm so glad that I did not start my college matriculation at this school. My dating opportunities and just even the comfort that even if we don't get together, you're gonna be out there in the future when I'm getting my stuff together. Because I saw, and this may not be the case at all PWIs, but the Black, you know, very small Black Population that some of the more ambitious or upwardly mobile if you would black men all had white girlfriends wow. all of them and i saw so many wonderful and i'm looking at undergrads right so i'm in law school i'm looking at the undergrads at my church and rock uf which was a great college ministry i went to a uh, predominantly white but very diverse church so even that, you know, and I think that experience being that I didn't really date date until college and then I got a conviction and then I went to law school and then I met other people who had the same conviction. Yeah. But sometimes the black single female experience was necessarily um, dictated in my life about who I'm dating. Cause when I got the dating conviction, it's like, I can like people, but if we're not gonna get married, then I'm not gonna waste a lot of time. Yeah. But just the idea that you're wanted, which is very different. And I think black single women, that young black single women, like marital age, baby start making age that's usually considered fine, that you know, the the sense of being wanted, it hasn't changed all that much from the 90s to now, mm. where you often don't find the culture and even what you consider your counterparts, which are other black men your age you're not often celebrated as the standard of beauty, the standard of desire. And, um, and then on top of that, according to whatever the colorism spectrum is, you're on the darker side and you're on the fluffy big side. I was just like, I would have been probably in somebody's corner crying. And I would always imagine what and how people perceive me because I had so many Nicodemus experiences when I was in law school and at this particular church. Where other they didn't have to be dark, but other black girls would come to me. But particularly if they were um, a big girl, they were just like, "You're just so confident, and you're just so glamorous." Like I just, how did you, co- beco- you know, become that way? And I was just like, I don't understand what you're talking about, you know, because I didn't have that experience. I thank God that I had parents that were together in a loving relationship, and my dad, who's blue black, always told me my color was beautiful. Um, and even when, as a kid, I was like, okay, maybe I'm not the cute one, I'm the smart one, that just the idea of my value wasn't dictated by what guys liked me or didn't. Like, I mean, I'm not saying I did have moments where I'm crying like every other teenager, like nobody wants to be my boyfriend. But I thank God that my family affirmed me greater than what society did. So in answering that question, I, you know, whether it's the color of your skin or the idea that maybe uh, white women are, are considered more beautiful, that, you know, I was always conscientious that black single, particular single females had this trajectory that is like, we so many times were made to be strong because the other option is weakness. And, mm-hmm. and I did not, and I still struggle with this sometimes, um, Because I enjoy being a strong black female, Mm -hmm. but when I went to this predominantly white church and 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 was a part of this predominantly white college ministry, from even how we prayed—not love, not say how I prayed out loud versus some of my white counterparts, Mm -hmm. I just, in my experience at that church, and I'll say this and shut up, I realized no matter how much I loved the fact that my parents were together and the fact that my mom was amazing. I re- and that Spellman not- was a great experience. The one thing I realized at that church is like, black women are not raised to value softness,
2: mm-hmm.
3: value vulnerability. I would look at my white counterparts with almost, awe, ah, like you're not worried about the things I'm worried about.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Like you get a pass and and I don't think of it as weak, but it's just like, man, so, and then I'm Pentecostal, right? So we're out at the first prayer meeting. I don't even know what the normal judge is. And the guys are going in black and white, Father God, you know, and I, and I didn't even think of it, but all the women that were there mostly were white. When they would pray, their voices were soft. You know, they're more, their alliterations were more gentle about nature, like God, like the sunbeam. And when I prayed, I sounded like the dudes. But I wasn't trying to sound like the dudes, I'm just praying like I pray. Mm-hmm. And I get like this little group of people around me and white girls like, how do you do that? And as I continue to go to that church, I was like, you know what? It wouldn't have even dawned on me that this part of my femininity that is soft, that does like the sun and the rays and the birds, that I could express that without being laughed at. You know? So even though I know we're talking about in the context of dating, I've had to recognize that I think that could be a deficit sometimes that my default is showing the show of strength uh-huh. versus allowing like also the delicate soft parts to be my default. like I don't know what that looks like. I know I've been cognizant like really is the comeback sarcasm is the comeback knowledge is the comeback just oh you don't even, I don't have to worry about you I got a daddy I got I'm taken care of you know versus like, you know, I'm sorry that you feel that way. What? And let it just die. So when it comes to single Black female, I think there's a lesson in that we can, and maybe married too, that it's okay to value softness Mm -hmm. and that doesn't make you less strong. It does make you um, put your walls down more, but the truth of it is we're still hurting. We're just hiding it. It's not like, you know, I'm going to show the strength and you ain't going to hurt me. It's like, I'm not going to let you see me hurt, but I'm still hurt. And I wonder, you know, maybe if I would have made different decisions about relationships differently, if I would have saw that early on in my life, like, it's okay to be this way and not the other way. Nothing's wrong with this way, but we have options. And I don't think most Black single females, particularly of a certain age, feel that we have the option to... Allow our soft and vulnerable sides to show unless you earn it. Like you got brick and mortar sandblasters to get through that wall.
1: Yeah. Ooh, good stuff. Y'all. We go on and on. I feel like I pull up some, pull up another chair and get some tea going on. But uh okay, Kayla, any any challenges um, that you've experienced uh, dating as a black woman?
2: Yeah. So I kind of agree with what both of you were saying. I think there's like a a factor of intimidation or something that like is unknowingly like I don't know how to explain like maybe men white black whatever are intimidated by me because I'm trying to be so strong and I'm trying to work towards goals and I'm trying to do whatever whatever that men are almost like afraid and then like you're like I should have to tell myself down if you're afraid that I don't want you but then it's like okay I'm gonna be single forever if I don't ever like try and soften up but that's how it is like because and then like I don't know if you guys have ever heard this and I don't know what the percentage is but a while ago I heard back that the black woman is like the most educated group of people or demographic in the states and like and it makes a lot of sense to me because I see black women getting their doctorate and all these degrees and all these businesses and all these things and I can see like um, I see both married and single doing that. And it's like, I could see if you're single and you're a little bit older, maybe like in your forties or something, and you're chasing all these goals. Like, I can't even imagine like a man, like even thinking about a man, like you're probably thinking like he's in the way, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, those are the challenges that I see. Like when you're more driven by your goals and what you want to do, it might come off intimidating to m- other I don't know. I just think there's like an intimidation factor that like, I didn't even know about until I realized like boys would go to my friends to ask for my number. And I'm like, if he didn't come to me, he can't get it. Sorry. I don't know. But like, I see that a lot. Like people are just intimidated by a woman who knows what she wants or like is not, I don't know how to explain better what I'm saying, but yeah, I see a lot of intimidation factors. And then like I know I see a lot of, when it comes to like uh, outside of the race, I see a lot of like, and we've all heard it like, you're pretty for a black girl. Like, I don't think that was a compliment, but I'm just gonna <laughs> walk away now or, and I'll remember this, um, I'll never forget this. It's literally in my yearbook, my senior yearbook or my junior yearbook, this boy, we were friends. He wrote, if you were white, you'd be my girlfriend. And I was like, one, I already have a boyfriend. Two, who's like, wow, what does that mean? And I look back at that and I'm like, these are the challenges that black women face because white men or men outside of the race are too afraid to date outside of their race. So then you deal with like that. And that goes back to the dating godly, not dating because of your race thing, because it's like, why does that matter? I wasn't interested in him anyway. But like still, like the, the comment was still so like unprovoked, written in pen in my yearbook. Like, come on now, like those are the, cha- I feel like those are the challenges that, some of the challenges, like um, if you more, if you are more attracted to outside of your race, you have to like, I guess, be more cautious or more like, what do they think? Or what do their parents think? Or what do their grandparents think? Or where did they come from, you know? And it's just a lot of unspoken, challenges that you kind of have to be on the lookout for um the intimidation and just all that
1: yeah very very true Kayla and I know it's it's getting good y'all I have one more question but um before we move into that question I just want to piggyback off of what you were saying Kayla because um yes women uh Black women in particular are very ambitious uh very driven very outspoken, um, you know, for the most part. Um, I'm not trying to use a blanket statement, but a lot of black women struggle with um, whether or not they should view those characteristics as strengths or weaknesses. And I always um, say that I don't believe them to be weaknesses at all, but I do believe that, you know, if you you are seeking to be in a relationship, you have to make room for that person. Mm And so um, while there may be men that are out there that are just intimidated, period, regardless by however many degrees you have, or your title, or how much money you make, or what have you, you know, if you don't make room for them and let them know, hey, you do want to be in a relationship and you do desire companionship, I think that is half of the battle as well, Um, you know, because I think there are men out there that are still secure enough in in and of their own selves to... um, you know, seek out and and desire and date women that are, you know, may make more money than them or have multiple degrees or what have you. So it's definitely a two-way street. I definitely don't want it to seem one-sided, but that is, that is a real challenge. I just want to make it clear, though, for women that consider that to be a challenge and just want to write it off, like, I'm just going to be single, period. No, that doesn't have to be the case, you know. So, Thank you for sharing that for real. Our last question, and I know it's a deep one, but our last question is, do you feel like singleness is an epidemic for black women?
0: Well, I certainly hope it's not an epidemic for black women. I definitely think sometimes as women, we sometimes kind of compare our checklist with the person that we're dating like, hey, I've got a master's degree, I've got a high paying job, no kids, et cetera, et cetera. And we expect sometimes that the person that we're dating matches our checklist. And sometimes um, a man is striving to become a better man and may not have it all together. So sometimes you have to look beyond checklist and see what are his goals and ambitions and don't get, um, you know, tied down to, well, I have a master's degree and you only have, you know, a high school diploma or you only have a bachelor's degree. You have to kind of not say lessen your standards, but kind of relax on some of
1: those standards. I I agree. I won't say relax on your stance, but I would say really know what your priorities are at the end of the day and 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 be willing to stand on those because because we say we want a man of God when really we want Denzel Washington with a Bible in his hand for real and. For me, that is not the same thing because I have dated and talked to many men that profess to be Christians and their lives do not reflect that. Now they're great to look at all day long and I will be on his arm, you know, walking down the street like, oh, look at me. But at the end of the day, when life hits, when reality hits, And you looking at me like, can you pray for me? I'm like, yeah, I will pray for you. But can you pray for me? That's the question. can you really carry me through the storms of life? Because they're going to come. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And you want to make sure that whoever you are in a relationship with is a man of substance. So I think oftentimes we say we want a man of substance when instead of that being the first thing on our list, it's like, you know, Hmm, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And we go for what they say versus how they live. So really making sure that your priorities are intact. I mean, it doesn't mean, well, I'll say this, nobody, there, there's no perfect person. You just have to you know, the whole 80-20 rule or what have you, you have to figure out what you willing to, what you can live with for the rest of your life and what you can't, you know, and and for everybody is different, but making sure that the things that really, really matter are the things that you're really prioritizing and putting at the top of your list. So um, I'll definitely add that. But any any thoughts on singleness uh, for black women, whether or not you feel like it's an epidemic or not, or just closing thoughts, period. Well, I think that
3: godly marriages are at an all time low. Finding godly marriages that will stick and stay. I actually believe getting married is pretty easy. I mean, I've already sort of talked about two people I was on the way to the altar with, but there are like at least three or four that were very, very serious about, you know, once I got to a point that I wanted to date to be married, who were very serious about marrying and wanting to marry, and the one blocker I had was like, is this gonna be forever? If 50% of marriages are ending in divorce, it." my biggest concern is not being married, is being married to the right person with the right mindset, because two Christians is not a perfect or godly or um, consistent and committed loving relationship make. You There's so many other things that go into that. Um, and so, but yeah, when you look at statistically, if you are a black woman of a certain age, and particularly of a certain achievement level, if you look at the numbers and your desire and preferences to find a mate that's also black, the numbers are just despairing. We don't have to go through the, the great list. And I'm reminded that those human consequences or there are uh, consequences to human decisions when it comes to spiritual concepts like God's desires for children to be raised in the ammunition of God by godly parents. But we look at Africa that's been devastated by AIDS and HIV, where you have generations of orphans being raised. So is that an epidemic that affects affects how parenting, hap- or how parenting goes in a lot of African nations? Yeah. Is that God's best? No. So the idea of you know, um, the numbers of say gay men and incarcerated men and all these kind of things going into that demographic, does it affect who's available Yeah. But the one thing that is so true is that if our heart is to be in a godly relationship that lasts forever and creates legacy, that on the good days we have to be encouraged that it is really okay. A singleness is not just being alone, is to be whole. My prayers would yeah. be whole, and maybe because I've done enough divorces to know that there are plenty of unwhole people in wet w- marriages. And even my decision in February to call off the relationship and get over being a loser, supposedly, is that, I mean, I could see how people can just get married to just get it over with, to just no longer be in that line of unmarried. And wow. at 46 years old, that's nothing to laugh at. Even godly parents who want you to marry someone golly. My parents start saying stuff like, don't mess it up. You know, I want, I I want grandkids. And without intending to feeling that pressure, like, okay, but I'd rather be without a partner than with a partner who cannot. I won't say cannot handle me. I don't want to get into that whole like you can't handle me. But someone who's not meant for me, and Mm -hmm. on those days it's really hard. And that six foot four lawyer from D.C. that smells good, and he looks like the baby gorilla that you seem to be attracted to. Mm Do you remember that he can't pray you out of a wet paper bag? Those days I'm like, let me hold on to that guy. Let me hold on because I could have been married to him ten years ago. So yes, there is an epidemic of singleness and it is overwhelmingly impacting black women. And, um, but it's gonna be okay, cause all you need is one. And if you date godly, I'm more open to dating out of my race. Not that I'm going to look for it. Um, I'm more open than ever before that online, I call them introductions cause you really can't date online introductions or making myself available in spaces that normally I would think, eh, that's not how I can meet some great people. Um, and also just trying to be healed and having good relationships. I think when I was in my twenties, I had plenty of guy friends who were not married, you know. and the older you get, that pool that's already small, gets smaller and smaller and smaller, but it's like, you know, almost like Peter walking on the water, keep your eyes on Jesus and not the storm because you'll never think that it was gonna happen for you. And there's just some practical things too, because black women often are coming from single parent households, our expectations of marriage, and even the men who come from those households, our expectation of partnership doesn't have to include marriage. Um, so that also, there's a lot of single partnered people, either in co-parenting. And yeah. so that's really challenging. And also there's a competition amongst black women that maybe because I'm, I've only been black all my life. I just don't see my white counterparts having to participate. I refuse to participate. Like, if you feel like this, you go get it because I need someone satisfied with me. Um, But there's a competition level, even in the church, particularly in the church, don't let a single well-educated man come walking through. You see everybody like, you know, yeah. So the competition for the eligibles can be very discouraging, but you have to remember all you need is one. And if someone could easily be moved because there's a lot of women, it's only you, you you are the only you. And this is not false advertisement. You may not be the Blu-ray version because you're like me, you're 46, but you know, there are people who still need a VCR to fit VHS tapes because that's what they have. So there's someone for everybody. There's someone for everybody. And you can't be worried about trying to compete or change to fit the newest version of anything, whether it's the woman with the big butt or the longest weaves is like, there's someone who would totally cherish what you have. So
1: I'm encouraged with that. I'm
3: very encouraged
1: with that. Thank you for sharing that hope. And thank you for just your your honesty and your vulnerability. I will I will just second two things and then I'm, I'm see if, if we have any other final closing out thoughts. Um, you're right. Wholeness is the goal, and that's whether you're single or married. Preferably, you need to be whole before you get married. Otherwise, it's going to make your marriage a lot more challenging, a lot more miserable. Um, let's be honest. And, and and I've shared this with you before. Um, and someone else said this quote, which is, is great, but they were saying, the only thing worse than um, being alone is wishing you were. And the reality of that is once you're married, you got to work on that marriage. And there's nothing worse than being in a relationship, being in a marriage and wishing you weren't like that's, that's horrible. So I would much rather <laughs> you figure out the wholeness and the, you know, being by yourself and being content as a single, instead of putting a band-aid on it with a marriage, because that's work and you are locked in that thing. Well, biblically you are until you know, God knows what, but you can want- I say
3: this also, one more thing, sure. and I'm sorry, cause we haven't really talked about it on the show and I'm sure you talked about it in other shows. I do want to just note with the whole epidemic things and I mentioned competition, I think it's more difficult nowadays to not just be black, single and female, is to be holy, mm. black, single and female because with the competition, even inside the church and I have failed so I don't want to pretend and anyone watching like, what are you talking about over there? That there's more pressure than ever before to be sexual in your relationships to win out that person. And I've even had Christian, who I, I really believe they love the Lord, but we all have errors, have told me, and, and more than one, to have sex with someone in order to get that ring. So Mm -hmm. songs like WAP and everything that we can just as Christians like denounce, but that mentality is also in the church. I unfortunately have slept with a minister of the gospel who wants to pastor. But the idea that I would not do it because of competition,
2: Mm -hmm.
3: like they just move on. And I know that wasn't what we really talked about in this show, but I would say, holy black single females is the hardest line black single females they can stay partnered up and booed up for the rest of their life and never get married but holy single females and that's all, y'all need a whole nother show we Especially do over 40 years old because that ah. sex peak feeling 40 is no joke
1: lord jesus thank you look she got
3: and it <laughs> i had to stop myself i had to roll myself
1: back in Thank you. All right, Kayla, any closing thoughts? <laughs> this I don't. Great. Honestly,
2: I don't have anything. <laughs> <I can't reply. laughs>
1: this has been great, though. I love I love it. Like I said, we could go on and on. But, Toy, you have anything before we close out? No. All right. Well, um, we, we have our noble character acknowledgement. I understand. Hope that you have someone that you want to acknowledge uh, for noble character. Can you share your person, please?
3: Yes. Sister Sudi Gordon Johnson out of South Carolina, she recently got engaged. Um, she actually had had a marriage that ended in nine days, basically, her husband had said he wanted to leave her. And she was very overweight, morbidly obese. Um, she grew up in a very, um, we grew up in the same church denomination that poo-pooed on premarital sex, thankfully, but also second marriage. And she trusted and believed God and been working on herself for the last few years. She has lost over a hundred pounds. She um, has written books and God during this COVID season connected to her it connected her to a man of God who actually was in the same graduating high school year, but in another high school in her town. And now they're engaged and um, they are holy. They are ambitious. She's healthy and she's great. And she's daring love again. And I just think Sudi Gordon-Johnson is like my... Shiro on so many fronts. On so many fronts, she just turned 40 um, last weekend. So I just want to say kudos to you. She is my shiro on so many fronts health, holiness, and wholeness.
1: Amen. Mm-hmm. Sudi Gordon
3: Johnson. Am I saying it right? Yes, Sudi Gordon Johnson. She's a Clemson Tiger, but outside of that, she's wonderful.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you are a woman of noble character. We appreciate you, Miss Sudi. All
0: right. So you want to talk about our BE challenge for this week? Sure. This week's Becoming Eva challenge is to identify your standards as far as dating, identify your boundaries, whether you are in a relationship or seeking to date. Yes. So next week, we are talking about finding your voice and building your brand as an entrepreneur. And we'll have special guests Miss Kia Stevens, correct? Right? And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on the podcast app. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook at Becoming Even Today. That's one word. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Becoming Even Today. And thank you ladies so much for joining us on you today's show we'll see you soon thank you thank you don't forget to like us on facebook twitter and instagram click subscribe on youtube and subscribe to the podcast check us out at becoming today.com or email us at becoming evatoday.com. see you next time